Ah, uh, um, so how much is that? Welcome to the podcast, editors and mastermind, the only show on the business of podcast editing. I'm your host, Carrie Caulfield, Eric, and joining me are my lovely co-hosts, uh, Brian Ensminger at TopTierAudio.com and Daniel Abendroth of BrothMedia.audio. And our guest tonight is Marion Abrams from Mad Motion. And let me tell you a little bit about Marion because she is so accomplished that we do not have enough time. We could take up the whole show with her CV. But uh, using her background in film and TV, Marion co-developed and launched the Spartan Up podcast and YouTube series in 2015. And that show now has over 30 million downloads. Marion took this knowledge and turned it into a podcasting, a podcast coaching and consulting business while still overseeing the Spartan Up uh, podcast. She also creates podcaster influence events and hosts her own wonderful podcast called Grounded Content. Welcome, Marion. We are excited to have you here today. Thank you. I suddenly, I don't know why, I suddenly felt like I was being introduced on a game show. Uh, I had my my announcer voice on, <laughs> and maybe it's the squares, or maybe it was the announcer voice. I don't know. It, I mean, do we need some applause? Is that the deal? I think so. Okay. Oh, I, where we mean, nobody has a button. Uh, oh, it's yeah. I thought somebody. Through. I was yeah. expecting a sound effect. <laughs> we tried that once. We couldn't get the roadcaster to work properly. Yeah. Oh, oh there we go. Nice. There we go. Uh, note to the editor, feel free to play around with some sound effects. And yeah, hey, Chris, I'm excited too about having Marion on and I'm excited about the conversation that we're going to have. Chris, I so, was wearing Chris's Dealcaster shirt yesterday. I don't have it on today. Oh, well, why don't you run? We'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, no, seriously, uh, I, I am super excited about this um, topic because I think it's an important one. So you came from film, Marion. So yeah. tell us, when you heard the word editor in the film world, what did that mean to you? Right. Well, so, I mean, this was what was so surprising. I have worked in, in, um, in editing. That was like where I got my start in the film business. And, and I'll just tell you, like one of the first jobs I had that was my first real job that I was so excited about was as an assistant editor on a frontline show about fatal child abuse. And we spent six months making this one hour show, just doing the edit, right? And, and the way that we edited was really building the story, building the narrative, you know, and taking, we would literally have one little piece of dialogue from someone and you'd be, you you never tampered with it to like change the idea, but you would literally take phrases and half sentences and put them together because people talk in such circuitous ways. So it's like, I start this story and I say, well, when I first started to edit and that was in the year, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then I come back and I finish I learned how to, and then the editor would come out and they'd take out that whole middle part about, it was in the year, blah, 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 blah. 
And I would just say, when I first started to edit, I learned blah, blah, blah. So the, the meaning is totally the same. But where we would edit down because you have limited space, we would be, you know, trying to compress all these things. So anyway, that's in my head, that and doing short tips and that kind of thing was my idea of editing. And so when I came into the podcast world, um, I was really surprised to hear that the term editor, generally speaking, meant more like when you said, I'm going to edit your show. Usually that meant like, I'll take out the filler words and I'll do an, an EQ pass. And um, that was just a different, different language to me. So I was surprised by that, you know? So who did that kind of work on the Spartan up podcast when you started it? Was it all you were you in the beginning? It was all me. So yeah, everything was me. Okay. Uh, And how did that? So do you have an editor for that now? Like somebody? So first of all, we didn't do that level. I mean, this is the, like, we, you know, we were talking offline a little bit about like the answer to everything is it depends. And, and um, it depends on the circumstance. And um, so for that show, part of my contract was like, okay, I'm going to do this number of shows and I'm going to produce them and edit them. But the original deal was, there's going to be no editing. Like we, we put the open on, we put the clothes on and they go as live. That was oh. the, that was what they contracted me for in the beginning. Now they, the, the job expanded a lot in, you know, from day one, cause none of us knew what we were doing. And so um, in the early days of Spartan up, basically it was all video and I would basically only take out, you know, anything that was embarrassing for the guest or the host, or sometimes I would move something from the end to the beginning, you know, just because it was confusing or something like that, but I didn't do much editing. So it was a, it was a really different, different way of looking at things. One of the things I, I think about from time to time is the kind of editing that you've been talking about where it's really distilling a story or crafting a story. And I feel like a lot of times that doesn't lend itself to a short production cycle or maybe even a single person team, right? So I have a couple of editors that do some work for me, but we don't work as a team in the sense that we don't sit down and have production meetings about what is the story, what are like if I said what are the beats, they'd be thinking music, right? Because I would too. So how do you um, how do you think that people like us that typically think of just cutting can start to change our thinking and start coming around to how can we craft a story for our clients too? Yeah, I mean, I I do think you're right. the The production cycle is huge because I think there's. I mean, that was another thing that was confusing for me in the early years was um, that people could charge a rate per episode. You know, because that just didn't make sense to me, because what does that even mean? You know, how much editing does an episode take is so varied. But when you have sort of a set, you know, expectation, that's easier to to do. So but even when I was doing like we would do a series of 12 short tips, like uh, U.S. athlete ski team, U.S. ski team athlete profiles. Right. And in that case, the interview with the athlete might be 20 minutes and I would cut it down to three minutes. And I think that's something very similar to what we do in podcasting. And it's more like the way I edit my own show or I work with, I do have an editor for my own show now. And I really like work with her in that way. I expect her, like, I really want to value the time of the listener. And so 
I really like, I don't want anything extraneous in there. It doesn't mean I don't want to be human. I'll still leave in. I mean, I'm a little vain. I'll take out some of my awkward phrasing, but <laughs> it it doesn't mean I, I clean it up to the point of no ums or no likes, but it means if there's a tangent or, you know, some of that just getting to know each other stuff, I'll take a lot of that out. And I'll, you know, usually your mind, you can see, like when you, when you listen to stuff, you can kind of see there's this whole chunk of time that is not progressing the story and just take it all out. So you said something really interesting that podcast editors, I think in general, don't necessarily think of. Right. They're thinking of the sound engineering. They're taking, they're thinking about, you know, cutting ums and ahs. But I think what you find in higher level work, especially like if you want to go work for NPR, you want to go work for Wondery or something like that. When they think about editing, they're thinking about driving that story forward. Somebody who can take raw audio and help turn it into a cohesive story with the beginning, middle, and end. Yes. And, you know, I often wonder why, like, I, I don't know. Um, okay, I lost myself for a second. Um, which this will be need to be edited out because this isn't going anywhere. But how can a podcast editor who is interested in going beyond the ums, the ahs, just taking out the filler and doing the sound, how do they start to learn that yeah. story piece if they didn't go to like J school, journalism school? So, you know, one of the things that I like to do, I find I need to see things, right? Um, I'm, I'm very visual. So I will get uh and for something that i'm going to edit this way i'll get the whole thing transcribed and i'll usually listen to it in double time but being able to see the paragraphs really helps me to visualize and i think the first thing is you know to think about trust your gut because if you're bored your audience is probably bored and if you know what the subject of the show should be then you know whether what the people are talking about relates to that, right? You need a little bit of personality and humanness, but you also need like to get to the point. And so if it drifts, if it's boring, if it's repetitive, like if you feel it when you're listening to it, take it out. That's the first thing I would say in terms of how to learn how to do it. And then the next thing is really, you know, find examples of shows that you like. The great thing I think about editing is, it's a much easier thing to self-teach than anything else in the film or the audio business because there's no pressure. Like you, when you edit, you can do a, a hundred different versions and you can edit it and play it back and see if it makes sense. And you can listen to it. Like I would highly recommend you listen to it like in different, um, in different places. Right. So like listen to it in your car, listen to it while you're doing the groceries, while you're doing the dishes, while you're walking, because you hear it more like the people listening that don't already know what's happening, because that's the hardest thing. Right. Is you you need to put yourself in the seat of the listener that doesn't already know what's happening. I see like the like. So right now I'm looking at three blank faces and I'm like, oh, my God, I am. This this is not what they wanted to hear. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I love it. I'm I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Brian has a question, though. I know he does. Well, but, but go ahead and continue because I don't want to derail this because I think, you know, you mentioned blank faces. For me, I'm trying to absorb it and trying to think through, could I work this into my business model, right? Because right. I do charge per episode, um, but I, I don't want to derail this. So, Carrie, let, let's go with well, yours. Okay. So, I, Zach... Uh, felt made an or asked an awesome question. Isn't this what a producer would do? And I would say maybe, right? It depends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think that in a smaller way, and and Marion, you may have some different input. Like in a, a smaller way, like making those editorial decisions. Um, you don't necessarily need to be a producer or called a producer to do that in a smaller way. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I think we can get really hung up on terminology. And I think that one of the things that I've seen, having worked in a huge variety of environments, whether it's podcasting, indie podcasting, corporate podcasting, film, like all those different worlds, is that every one of these terms means something different to somebody else. And so I know there's somebody who tried to do like the whole glossary of what all the terms mean. The podcast taxonomy. Yes, but but you never really can because what is a producer? In some worlds, the producer is the person with money. In some worlds, the producer is the storyteller. In some worlds, the producer is the one who like is calling the taxi and making sure all the people are there at the right time. The words mean different things. And so the editor has the most control the editor is the one whose hands are on the machine right and so even if there's a producer giving guidance um unless i mean i guess certainly there are some producers that are going to be line by line on the script but normally in the worlds where that happens a lot um the editor the producer's not involved to that degree they're going to express what they want it to end up like. And the editor's going to figure out how to get there, you know? And I guess I, I was thinking about what Brian said, like, how do you put this into your business? You're right. If you're charging a per episode fee, you can't make it harder on yourself. Like you can't add all this extra stuff, but it might be something that if you start to hear a host or client that has like really great conversations, but you know, they could pop so much more. Like, you know, this could be at the next level. It might be a service that you could talk to them about. Like, you know, I think that I could really elevate this show. It's going to take me more time and I would have to charge you more. You know, do you want to try it? Yeah. So that's actually somewhat similar to the approach that I'm taking, not so much in the editing, but I do have a client now that signed up for quarterly coaching calls. And so what we're going to do is once a quarter, run a transcription of a previous episode and he'll go through and redline it and I'll go through and redline it. And then we'll compare not so much so that we can change the editing style because I don't think his budget would allow that, but so that he as a host can start seeing, okay, these are the, these are the kinds of things that seem to be working. Um, and we'll be getting both perspectives, right? So then that leads to some dialogue because there might be places where I would have missed it if I had made the cuts without having that conversation. So it helps me as an yes, editor as right, well. Right, right. Yeah, you need that input from the sort of, especially when it's like a host producer, if you call it that, they have to have their say. You can't just start messing with their their show without knowing what's important to them, obviously, you know. 
The other question that I had was really kind of down in the weeds, but it's a it's a resource question. You mentioned transcription. Are you talking like automated transcript? Do you have somebody like what do, what do you yeah, do? How do you do yeah. that? Yeah. I'll use I use Otter AI and I know it's it's not perfect. It's not something that I would publish uncorrected, but it's good enough. Um, and I just I like the fact for my mind that I can see the words and hear the words at the same time. And so I can kind of see the structure of it, but I can also hear the intonation and I can tell if it's a place where a break could go. And I'm sure for people who use the script, which I haven't, that would be, you know, that would work the same way. Okay. Yeah. I, I use Descript, but I I just wondered, like, because you're right. I mean, the transcription, if you're lucky, is like 93% accurate. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and the only thing it gets wrong are the proper nouns and the transition words. Everything else is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to give you an idea to help you kind of do what you need to do with it. Yeah, because you like you can you'll see. I mean, and that might be something you could wrap into you know, I don't know that it adds that much time. Sometimes there's just huge chunks that can come out like, and they don't change the, the result at all, you know? Yeah. I, I will say one thing that I do with one of my clients is that once I finish an episode, I throw it into Otter AI and he can go through and just mark what to cut. And that way I'm not making the editorial decisions. I'm I'm just getting timestamps essentially, and it's just like cut. I mean, it's super simple um, in in a way to also make the client like. Then the client also has that awareness of what's working, what's not working. Like he's forced to confront that as he, you know, reviews his transcript. And you know, I think I'm just thinking about like all these different structures and team scales and sizes and stuff. And I think it's easy to think that film is Hollywood and like podcasting is indie, but in the film world, just like in the podcast world, there's Hollywood, there's TV, there's one person bands, there's six people teams, there's corporate, there's like, there's every kind of combination you can imagine. And so I think like, depending on the team size, the editor maybe is a producer, but the editor has that mindset. They can see things in a way that, you know, the producer doesn't. I mean, and I, and I know certainly tr- the tradition is the documentary film editor is equally responsible to the outcome as the director, you know? Well, I know in my, you know, for those of you who aren't aware, I've been working with um, a, a corporate uh, podcasting company um, and that secret project about imposter syndrome I was talking about was actually a Stephen King production. Uh, so amazing! His, I, I know it's crazy. I don't ever get to talk to him, so it's I'm not that important, right? What? I talked with the the showrunner essentially, who was the who's the producer of The Voice. Um, so um, that he might talk to a lot more, unfortunately. Um, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. Cause it was, his, he wrote the script and, and, you know, Stephen King approved it anyway. Uh, oh, now I forgot what I was saying. I think you might have been <laughs> talking about the fact that in that kind of production, they're a lot less particular about the ums and the, was that what, cause we talked about that beforehand. Well, that's certainly true. There's a, there were, uh, that wasn't even a thing. Like in that audio yeah. drama, like if we, if there was an um, it it was intentional, right? If there was a breath, 
It was intentional. That kind of stuff we left in. But in this, um, it's so funny because in this in this more corporate environment, they don't care about the filler. Like right. they just don't care about it. They leave right. it in. You're just worried about the mistakes, the mouth right. clicks. Um, is this extraneous content? Can we, you know, cut it out and save, you know, 10 minutes or yes. something like that. So, and um, that leads me to something Daniel was thinking about. Yeah. So, and this kind of, you mentioned in podcasting, well, like, you know, there's so many different kind of like levels, I guess. Um, like in podcasting, there are like those NPR, Wondery, like these really narrative story driven shows. But for me, what I, mostly I work with solo shows and I have a couple interviews. So obviously that is going to be a little bit different. But how can we kind of have a similar approach when doing these kind of, I guess, more scaled down type shows? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you have to think about the budget because doing this kind of work does take longer. So you have to have a client that sees the value in it and is willing. And one of the ways I used to protect myself in that kind of circumstance is to estimate a price and say, you know, this price covers up to, I would estimate how long it would take. And I would say, this is the cost unless it goes over this many hours. And that way we would, that would sort of trigger the discussion if it ended up taking a lot longer, because it is harder predict, to predict because you don't know what you're going to get. But I would say, um, you know, some small ways you could start to think this way is to think about, you know, could you um, use some narrative bridges? Like, could you um, have your interview and maybe there's a piece that is confusing or a piece that takes too long to progress that you could replace with voiceover that you record afterwards. You know, that would be a sort of a simple fix. Um, so in other words, if the conversation is just really awkward, slow, doesn't quite explain, you know, maybe somebody takes five minutes when the question really is, um, you know, what was it like at your grandmother's house? And they go into this like five minute thing about who their grandmother is and where they lived. Thank you. Good question. What is a narrative bridge? So instead of all that conversation, you would replace it with a voiceover that would connect part one to part two. And the voiceover would just say, Billy told us about his grandmother who lived in a giant haunted house. And then Billy could say like, the house was really scary. Right. And so instead of using the original interview, I hope I'm explaining this well in the original interview, Billy might be saying like, you know, the interviewer says, Billy, where did your grandmother live? And he's like, um, it was, it was a house and it was kind of near the big tree, but it was, I forget the name of the town, you know, and it goes on and on and it takes like 10 minutes. And so you could replace that whole thing with that narration that was sort of shorter and more efficient and got the point across. Yeah. I'm still seeing blank faces. I don't no, know. No, I, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, Billy lived in uh, Florida in his grandmother's house and yeah. it was scary. Well, right. I, right, I think, right. I think about that. Um, the way a lot of shows end, where they'll, an interview show will end with, okay, where should, where can people find you and tell, tell them about the thing that you have for them. And you'll have a guest. that will take like five minutes to remember their website that they say every <laughs> yes, day. Right. 
and tell you about this wonderful offer. And I feel like a lot of times that could be just summed up by the host knowing beforehand and saying, hey, thanks so much for being here. If you've been listening, you can go here and get this thing from them. It's going to be amazing. You need to totally do that, which then draws on their authority rather than this guest that should know their stuff because they made it like totally going going on. Like, I'm going to stop. I just, no, no. I Literally <laughs> before I got on this uh, stream, that's what I edited. That's what I cut. Yeah. I cut, and I cut it. I cut this whole spiel about where to, where she could be found, which was full of stutters and pauses, and I don't know. And then and this whole, yeah, and this whole, this is what I do. I'm like, but we just interviewed you. We know what you did. Um, and I cut it down to my Instagram, my email. Boom, you're done. You're out. That's it. That's all the right. information we needed. Like, and if just, it's. Oh, go ahead. If it's, go ahead. If it's in the middle of the show, like I'm thinking, um, say you're in, I'm trying to think of an example. All right. So say we're still with Billy, right? And Billy has had this traumatic experience with his grandmother and the house was really scary and big. And um, so in the beginning, you're interviewing Billy and you're like, Billy, tell us who you are. And Billy's like, uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, three feet tall and I'm eight years old. And like, I, they don't know how to answer the question. Right. So you could replace the Billy part and say, you know, Billy is an eight-year-old who suffered this traumatic experience, you know, and then you could go right to Billy saying like, one day I was walking down the street, whatever. Um, but you replace his inefficient stuff and you can also set the tone. So that's, that's kind of like a first step is um, to think about that. And then to think about what Carrie was talking about or what, what Brian was talking about, which is just just making it more efficient, you know, getting the information across more efficiently. And then kind of the next step is like very simply, a lot of the time I find in an interview, people will cover things and maybe look, a great interviewer is going to get the flow perfect the first time, but it's two human beings. And there's so much unpredictable and there's a lot of feeling each other out and figuring out what, you know, what, what your guest is looking for, what you're looking for, all that stuff. And so a lot of it is easier in hindsight to go back and kind of clean it up. And so the other way, a lot of the time, the good stuff is, is later. And sometimes in the interview, you know, the really good stuff comes at the end. Once you kind of, the guest figures out what you're looking for. And so sometimes I can take a piece of that and move it towards the beginning to kind of get people engaged and let them, and not, I, I, we all know of like the, the quote at the start and certainly that you can do, but a lot of the time you can also kind of change the flow so that some of the meaty stuff is closer to the beginning. So Zach has a question. I just maybe to clarify on the narrative bridge. Um, he asked if it's more for storytelling podcasts um, and I think what we're saying here is that you can take these idea, this idea yes, from storytelling right. podcasts and use it in the interview podcasts. Right. So for example, um, like, like Spartan up, there are some occasions where I've tried this and um, you know, this is a self-improvement podcast, but there might be a time when it just, something doesn't get covered. A piece of context is missing. And you could say, I want you to listen for a second. We're going to review the three key points coming up next, you know, and then they go into the three key points or they talk about it in a really roundabout way. And you add a narration afterwards and say, 
um, you know, those three key points again are, you know, eat breakfast, sleep well, whatever they are, or you could, you know, afterwards add a piece of context, you know, saying the study he's referring to is, or, you know, you can add these extra pieces, even if it's not story. Yeah. You can take, and you can also take something that's really long winded and like shorten it. Right. So Lord knows sometimes it takes me a while to get to the point. So (laughs) Um, it would be nice. And we don't do this for our show and and maybe we should actually have an example of this in practice after this uh, conversation. I mean, you've been to school for this, right, Carrie? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm still (laughs) paying for it. Um, But yeah, just to sum it up and to um, get you closer, like just, uh, um, so I just worked on this show with magicians and they were long with some of them. They were talking about like actual science experiments and it would take them 15 minutes to get like the procedures of the science. Like nobody needs to hear that. We just need to sum it up and move on. Like that's, you're just pushing that stuff forward, right? You're just getting through it quicker. It's a way to deal with, you need the context. You need to kind of understand what's happening, but you also can't spend 20 minutes on it. Right. So you move along like this that I'm saying now probably doesn't like we could take something from here, make it like a really concise explanation and move on. Now, my question in working with interview clients who aren't necessarily thinking story, you know, they don't, they don't think about voiceover except for intros and outros. How do you then get them to in this habit to do this? Or do you offer to actually do that narration? Yeah, I mean, so the voice, it's certainly a decision, a creative decision, whether the host is comfortable having a different person's voice or their own voice. Um, I'm actually thinking about like there's an HBR podcast. Um, it's called Coaching Something. It's a it's a like it's a it's a business podcast. And I can send a link afterwards. I forget what it's called. Um, and they do a really like it's um the the meat of this show is a live interview it's like a live coaching session but they edit it down and the coach a bunch of times will jump in and say we talked for a few more minutes about why this problem was so prevalent and then we got to the real point and then she'll go back to the interview so she'll voice it that's like a very much of a not a narrative it's really a coaching session but she realizes there's a lot of stuff that the audience doesn't need to hear so when you do this should it be clear that it's a a narration of voiceover after the fact or should you edit it so that it sounds like it's part of the original conversation oh i would definitely do it so it seems like it's afterwards yeah okay yeah then how and would I you think... sorry go ahead no go ahead so how would you do that? Like, so like practically speaking, cause like when I think about doing like, I don't know how, and I'm afraid that it's going to sound kind of amateurish or like thrown in, but when I listen to like NPR, like the way they do, like it's flows so smoothly. Like, I don't know like how to like actually do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you could either, you could either script it, like give some, say I, I need this sort of rough piece and send the, the clip coming in and the clip coming out and that rough script to the host, if the host was going to read it. But if the host wanted you to do the narration, 
Um, I would actually literally do that. Like I would, this is again, the, the great thing about editing is it's a great opportunity to teach yourself. And so, because it's not a live show. So you could just listen to the incoming clip, record your narration and then drop it in, set the timing and say like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. Cause you'll hear like the intonation, there's a certain intonation that works and doesn't work, a certain timing that works and doesn't work, certain phrasing. And so, you know, if you're, if you're willing to think of it, not so much as billable time, but education time for yourself, because if you're doing it to learn how it is, then put that extra time in and just do some trial and error till you get the right feel for it. And I would add that one trick that uh, I was taught in the Stony Brook University Audio Podcast Fellowship, which I think is open taking applications right now if anybody's interested, um, is to EQ that voiceover differently. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it, so there's a there's an actual sound difference between what was part of the interview and what's the voiceover. Definitely. Yeah. If it's the, if it's the same voice, I think that's a really good suggestion. So are you talking like making it sound like thundering man voiceover guy or like <laughs> when you say EQ it differently, like what would you I, mean? I mean? I think anything, I think that is subjective and it depends on the style of your show. Like if it's a comedy show or something like uh, you're, you're talking about something funny, you could do something crazy with it. You could make it the voice of God. Like, <laughs> um, if it's, you know, maybe more serious, you could have like the interview, uh, a little brighter and then the voiceover a little, uh, warmer. Right. So I really think it's subjective and, and based on what the client's style is. So the voice of Yeti. Yes. Let's, let's all have the voice of Yeti. Um, so we'll have to figure out what that is for this show and then give you some examples. Wouldn't it be cool if whoever edited this did some of that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like we could cut out about every part where I'm talking. And you could just <laughs> I, <laughs> I know I could be like, <laughs> I can always be shortened like, and more succinct. So I think the three of us could be cut. Turn it. To I think the four of us could be cut. Marion. No, definitely. I, <laughs> No, we're just going to have you, Marion. And then you could just say, like, turns doing voiceover. You could leave your actual questions in there. And then you could say, um, and then Marion told us and just replaced my voice completely with a more efficient version of what I said. (laughs) You know what? We'll try the overdub in the script. How about that? Now, yes. what we could do is with the voice of the Yetis actually use a blue Yeti and Omni with the gain turned up. Wait, I want to know if the I'm up for that means I'm up for the version that has Marion replaced. <laughs> no, I think before that. Before I think that. it was the voice of the Q2 U, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Well, Gabriel, um, he's looking to get into kind of like more narration style podcasts. I think he's interested in editing this. I might be mistaken, Ooh. but to actually Ooh. be able to do that. That would be cool. I would love to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And I can work with Gabriel to help him, like, you know, go through the actual workflow of what that narration process would look like, because that's a lot of, I mean, there are many different ways to accomplish that. I'd like to hear, because you you actually, like, I have all this self-taught sort of mix of film and video and podcasting and stuff I've made up. But uh, what's your, what's your actual, the the right way? I feel like you probably have a, a workflow that's 
So, I mean, I was taught a workflow, right? But I am such a weird person that like I will. So, you know, you basically you get your tape. Um, and, and I guess it depends on what the style of podcasting is. You get your tape, you log it. Right. And you know what logging tape is, obviously. And for those of you who don't know, you literally listen to all the raw audio and mark um, in, you know, or make hand notes of what the time is and what the topic they're talking about is and what, you know, you know, mark if there's any like special sound bites or what, you know, and through that you pull what's called your selects, which is the audio you're going to use in the actual production. Uh, and then, you know, at some, you know, some point you'd make a transcription. Um, I like to make a transcription and pull my selects from there. Cause I think it's easier with technology. Um, and I will print out, you know, I'll, I'll then I'll pull my selects, put them into an audio file, make a transcription, um, and then print it out and, and actually start marking by hand. Um, and then you write the script for the voiceover, right? Because now you've got all these like great clips and you have to actually start figuring out how you're going to put that story together, how you're going to frame it, where those bridges are going to go. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be a very complex process, but I actually am very improv, improv, I improv a lot, right? Yeah. So I just like, I have my idea. And then when it actually comes down to doing the work, it changes completely. Like, yeah. and I just did this with another podcaster um, for the magicians, right? So it it's a narrative. It's an it's a narrative podcast, basically. And we were just recording, and he had his notes, and he was doing the voice voiceover, and he and he was like totally off script. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what, that works. But let's yeah. do this. You know, tweak this here and tweak. So we're doing it in the moment. Now I have to go back and log all that tape and go through right. that process of putting it together. But yeah. So, so there, that's, that's great. So, so it's funny that first of all, just the language is so different. And so I take for granted, I it didn't even occur to me what, that we should explain what logging tape is. And, um, and so that was a great explanation of it. Cause I probably couldn't have even put it into words. Um, but I think what I would do differently from that, because I'm very hands-on, I like to see stuff in the timeline, is I would I would log tape and then I would start to string it out, which means you just take the stuff that you think is going to be telling the story and you roughly put it in the right order. Um, but you don't worry about whether it flows or whether the timing is right or whether there's extraneous stuff, but you sort of string it out with like when I did a documentary film that the final length was 45 minutes, my string out was like three hours. <laughs> so right. so yeah. you, you, you put all this stuff in order, but then as you start to kind of like carve into that, you, um, so the, the difference is I wouldn't script. I personally, I can't script narration from a transcript. I have to lay the stuff out and hear where it needs to go. And then I would, rather than scripting the narration, I like to bullet point the narration and note what the incoming and outgoing are because I like the improvisation right. better because I right. feel like that's more fun. And I don't come from news. I'm sure if I came from news, that would be different. 
Yeah. Um, I think so. I kind of with the string outs will work simultaneously kind of. So I'm like thinking about how the story is going to come together. And, and, and when you're working for somebody else too, when you, you, and I wasn't privy to the, the recording sessions, like it's all a surprise. Like, I don't, I don't Which know I can anything, tell you so. from like a, a producer side, it's one of the most valuable things about an editor is they don't know. And so they don't bring any of those preconceived notions about like what happened behind the scenes to their interpretation. And so their understanding of the content is so much closer to the listener. And that's another place, I think, an entry point, right? No matter what your editing business is, I think that's a huge value that you bring in thinking about it that way. Like you're closer to the ears of the listener than the host is. And so your feedback about where things are working and not working is so valuable. I think that's an absolute excellent point because what, okay. So here is um, something that I just had a discussion with another podcast editor today. And that is the clients are so rigid. They feel like they need to overproduce by removing every imperfection, every everything. I'm like, it's not YouTube circa 2005, right? We do breathe. Um, and so how do you get the client to relax and like be okay with leaving in ums like if i can get a client to like 80 percent, I, I i'm pretty happy like it's 80 you know if i can take out if i can leave in 20 percent of the ums and have them relax about it it's a good day right and, and i'm talking about new clients for sure new podcasters um so ideas well it's funny because this is like back to the it depends and i think for me i are the clients always right I mean, even when they're wrong, the client's right. So I will say to the client, you know, I think people will trust you better. I think it'll feel more real. It'll be more engaging if we don't take all of these out. But it's really up to you. You're the client. So I'll tell them my opinion. But if they disagree with me, it's their call. That's that's the way I, I'm like, you're, you're writing the check. You're paying the bills. It's your decision. That's the way I think about it. So we got a question from Gabriel. He asked, how do you deal with something that has to go, but you really liked it? Yes. That is like, you, have you, you know, like you've probably heard that expression, killing your babies. Like it's, it's, it's really hard to do. And you have to trust, um, you have to trust the judgment of yourself. And, you know, you really, you probably need to bring in trusted friends who know content to do that. It's it. That's, you know, I, I think that that's the advantage. If you're a host, that's the advantage to having an editor. Yes. Right. So this is a selling point for your services is that you are no longer just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Right. And hoping that, you know, or agonizing about these decisions, you have somebody you can say, I don't know about this. What do you right. think? And, th and then as an editor, when you your client asks you that question, be really concise and say, 
yes or no because and let them they will make the final decision but that empowers them to to really think in an editorial way and i i like to use phrasing like have you thought about or have you you know have you have you thought about you know have you thought about being a, a more natural sounding show or have you thought about how many filler words you need to remove or have you thought about like just kind of making it a conversation with them and getting them comfortable with it. So Gabriel responded, so I just need to make more friends that. (laughs) It's good to have friends, but you know what? I mean, actually it's not like they don't have to. Sometimes the best feedback is, is from people that are not in this business and just play it and say like, does this make sense to you? Where did you get bored? Where did it seem like there was extra stuff going on? Like those kinds of questions from non-professionals can be even better feedback than professionals. Because 99% of your audience is going to be non-professionals. Yeah. Let's not edit for each other. Yes. And I I think that very often, and we have had complaints. All right. Y'all. Y'all have complained about our show having too many ums <laughs> and not being edited tightly enough. We're not editing, you know, we are editing for you, but, but, you know, we're trying to model that you don't have to edit for other editors, right? The only people that are going to care about all this stuff are other audio people. The average person. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I keep interrupting. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. No, no. I'm actually like you're the guest. I am a being a bad host. Actually, I I got a lot of thoughts. Told you I had a lot of thoughts. So I I kind of think about it like the trend, like the Instagram trend with like everybody's faces smoothed out to a blur, and nobody wants to show imperfections. And I mean, even my amazing photographer who did those new brand shots, like. I had to look side by side at her edited shots. And I was like, no, I like the wrinkles. Like I earn these wrinkles. You don't need to blur those out. And I think there's some of that with the ums that like we can be human. We don't need to, it's the same kind of mindset. We don't need to set an unrealistic expectation for how we speak, for how we think, for how we listen as, you know, role models for other people. I see so many beginner podcasts come in and say, I, I don't speak that smoothly or I don't, you know, I, I, I can't formulate my thoughts that clearly or that quickly. And what they don't know is that there was a whole lot of practice and editing that went into that. It's very much like the, the, the body image thing. I think there's, there's some parallels to that. Yeah. Like one example I like to use is Gary Vaynerchuk. When you listen to him speak, like he is not succinct. He is not like super smooth, but like it works. And like, his audio isn't even good. No, it's, it's terrible. terrible. Yes, it's awful. <laughs> I don't listen to his podcast because it's just like he just takes his YouTube content, and puts it, just takes the audio. So like it's not, and it doesn't oh. edit it. So it doesn't make sense. But yeah, um, the content over everything, but like what he's saying, like, it just works. Oh, I don't know how many podcasters I had in the past say, I just want to show like Gary V. And I'm like, so I had to listen to him. And I, and I would come back with like, no. <laughs> no you want you somebody else to edit. Not me. Yeah. 
And that's actually another example of like, you know, what we were calling the narrative bridges. And maybe that's not the best term for it. But like on Gary Vee's show, he has a producer who will say like, today we took a part of our live session with Gary Vee and we asked a bunch of questions and here's the first question. And then they'll play the question. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, they it's another version of that. I'm kind of doing something similar with a client of mine. So we're at like episode, she's released like 250 episodes so she's going back to like her old content and my wife, well, my wife is the one doing this, but going back and like finding like little nuggets from the episodes and making like a best of episode. And it's my wife who's actually doing the narration and kind of explain, like building up the clips, kind of talking about it. So you were actually already doing this. You were asking mm -hmm. me these questions as though you didn't know how to do it, but you're actually already doing it. See, and I'm I not. wonder how many podcast <laughs> editors are actually doing this kind of work and not realizing it. Yeah, yeah those kind of things. Like, as you're talking, it's like, oh, yeah, we are kind of doing that. <laughs> we should have had you as a guest, Daniel. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> somebody want to read this question? Yeah. What kind of... So Gabriel asks, what kind of work will be taken over by robots first? editing ahs, ums, repetitions, et cetera, or the actual content editing work. I think the first work that's been taken over by robots is filling my email inbox with garbage. The second one will hopefully be the equivalent of that for podcast editing. I don't know. I'll let you guys jump in. I would say the script has kind of already started taking over that, like not taking over, but has paved the way to make it easier for hobbyist podcasters to take out the ums and ahs and uh, not necessarily repetitions, but I don't think that's too far of a step. Um, because like, and this could be, so we always think that like AI can only do so much, but then it's like, oh, we never thought AI could go through and effectively take out ums and ahs and filler words, but Descript has done that fairly well. Um, I think that's the next thing. Maybe actual content editing through like a pretty, you know, an algorithm could determine like what's boring and what's not. Um, but I would say like, yeah, editing ums and ahs, like that's going to be first thing out of the two. Yeah. Content editing by AI, I think that would take a long way because I think the value of a good host or a good producer or a good editor or a good team of the three is knowing what your audience wants. And so even if you had, you know, even if you had AI, you'd have to then trigger Jarvis to know what, um, what specifically was interesting to the audience. I guess it could start like, I guess it could set up like a cycle and it could check like downloads and listen through percentages and where people clicked out and like leave that stuff in. But I think it would be pretty Frankenstein for a while. It would it also take like demographics. So figure out who your audience is, figure out what they're interested in, what they like, and then combine that with. <laughs> oh God, this is scary. Yeah. I think though, the, some of the magic of this kind of like content editing and storytelling is that you don't get the surprise that you can create um, as a human. Right. The, the weird twists, the, you know, you have, you think your content's one thing, but all of a sudden it turns into something else. Um, and the yeah, creativity, I, right? Yeah. I mean, I think about, again, like the, the documentary film that I did as a solo project and I did all the interviews and I edited the whole thing and it was like a year long project. But some of the things that I loved 
where like there was one question I asked this guy and he just did this funny like noise and then caught his breath and then answered it. And it just showed everything about the emotion he was feeling. Exactly. Marion bringing up or is that? Okay. I didn't know if it was just me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It's so good. <laughs> She's a little bit frozen. Hopefully she comes oh. back. Am I back? Here we go. Yes. <laughs> yes. You were saying something so good. <laughs> and it was, you were like right in the middle of it. And then it just did, Should I say it again? Did I, did you guys not yes, hear please. it? <laughs> yes, <Okay>. please. <laughs> well, so, that, thought, so ed- whoever edits this, you might be able to take the original and just. Work oh, it out podcast, yes. All right. The live stream, our, our viewers need to. I'll try to it. recap it. I'll try to recap it. Okay. So this film, the, the, there was this one question that I asked and the guy answering made this sort of funny noise and then took a breath and then answered. And to me, that was like everything, that little breath and that weird noise he made sold so much more about how he felt like what he was going through than any of the words he said afterwards. And I think if you had AI or if you had an overeager editor, all of that would have come out and it would have lost so much of the meaning. Mm. Oh, I love yeah. a breath with the pregnant like, pause. Go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The pause. I was actually saying or that. the awkward yeah. silence. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like in my, you know, earlier in my career as an editor, like I would take out any silence. Like I wouldn't like put everything, you know, like the jump cut of YouTube that Carrie was talking about, but like any, long silence i would just take it out because you know save your listeners time but there's so much um communicated through the right pause that Mm -hmm. i've been much more lenient about that now i'm thinking about those like the little noises so sorry now my dog needs medicine um uh, the little noises that i now take out like maybe i should think more about leaving them in yeah yeah, and I think that it's the pauses. Sometimes it's the pause after the answer too. That mm-hmm. like, and and some of this is like, I don't know if it's you can sit on it quite as long in audio and video. You see the person's face, and you see everything come across their face in that moment after they stop talking, where they start to look to you to see if you're responding. Then there's like a self consciousness. There's all these things going over their face after they stop talking. And I don't know, you probably can't hold the pause quite as long in audio. I think in audio, you can't go over like a, a second and a half before somebody's like, is it, is it buffering? Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I mean, I try to be a little bit artistic with those as well. I don't really time them out, but I always go, okay, if I were listening to this and didn't know what was coming, at what point do, does this start to sound unnatural, either too long or too short, and then adjust from there, right? Because... Uh, none of the edits are, edits are final until I print it, right? <laughs> right. Unless you're using Audacity. Well, that's I think the other topic that... um, Did I freeze again? No, no, no I don't no. think so. I okay. to bed. <laughs> we're, we're listening intently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think the other thing that we had wanted to talk about was just this idea that there are no rules. And I think we're kind of getting into that now where like 
I just, I hear a lot, especially in the beginner groups, like, well, that's just not how it's done or that's not how we do it. Or that's not. And especially with client relationships, like Carrie, I've seen you jump in a lot where people heard a rule, like, you know, never let your client do this or don't let them do that. Or, you know, they have to pay for this or they have to, you know, if this mistake happens. And, and I think just, there's so much more room for flexibility in how we build these relationships, especially as this is a developing kind of art slash business. And as we work with indies, I think that we can be a lot more flexible about how we build those relationships and what our role is and what we charge for it. And it doesn't have to fit a set pattern. I think that's a big part of it. I think we have these ideas and we, because we have these Facebook groups and we have these masterminds, we have all these things, we get all these sort of rules about how we have to do things. But the truth is most of our clients don't know and if we come to them with a better way that's going to work better for them or for us, I think we should just be more open to being flexible about all those things. I think it's about making it work. Yes. Right. Like on the project went runway, <laughs> Tim Gunn says, make it work. And I think, and I had an art teacher who would say that um, also learn through suffering. I don't subscribe to that. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really do think that's the flexibility. You have to be flexible. You cannot be rigid in this, in this line of work, especially when we're working with people's thoughts and feelings and experiences. Like you cannot put it into a box and be like, this is the only way it can be packaged. So um, I think though we're out of time. And I think that like the whole conversation kind of goes back to, it depends right? There are no rules. It's, it's do what works. Um, but we do have the pod decks question before we go. So, which I didn't tell you about Marion, but surprise. (laughs) It's it's like the lightning round, but just one question and you get more than one sentence, but it is actually a pod deck. I'm holding it right here. Uh, the question for today is what's something that you've never been able to do well for those that are joining us, you can put that in the chat, or if you're listening later, you can leave us a comment or something. And I'll start because I picked the question, so that's my job. What's something you've never been able to do well? If I were to pick just one thing, it would be every sport in the world I have never been able to do well. So there you go. <laughs> Daniel, what's up with you? <laughs> I'm mulling over two ones. Um, so the first one is like drawing or like anything kind of in that realm of art artistry. Uh, no matter what, like, I just cannot, like, have, like, good-looking artistic drawings. The second one's a little more relevant is, like, n- I want to say note-taking or, like, short-term comprehension. Because, like, I'm so in the moment that, like, I get lost, and then I don't remember, like, what happened 10 seconds ago. They and then, like, I don't take notes, so then it's just, like, it's just gone. <laughs> what were you saying, Daniel? I, I, just kidding. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we were talking about playing sports or something. Uh, Carrie, what do you got? Am I I next? Where's Carrie? Yeah, Carrie, go. Okay, so uh, I can't sew, um, which is funny because you you were a crafter. I I know, but I couldn't (laughs) sew. Um, I can glue. Really good at gluing. Glue, and I know all about all sorts of different kinds of glue, uh, but I can't sew. I mean, I. What did you say? Just get it done. Yeah, I, really, it's like it Frankenstein. Yeah. It, it, that's what it looks like. But it's funny because my mother and my sisters can make patterns. They can design things. Like my 
my mother taught, you know, tried to teach me and she, as she taught all my sisters and no, I just did not have the skill. Uh, and I still hurt myself when I sew. So my husband does all like the button repair, but yeah, I can't sew. Yeah. Nope. Can't. I can't make it sew. Mark Deal. <laughs> I can't. What about you, Marion? So mine is, I, I can't, I never have been able to do things the way everybody else does. I can't fit in. I just can't. I don't know how. I try. I try to be like everybody else. I've never been able to. I think, I think that almost makes you fit in. <laughs> <laughs> like you're Yay! with your people. <laughs> and uh, Gabriel says that his thing is mixing rap music according to the last guy. Oh, is that what he can't do well? I think that's what he's saying, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mixing so rap music. Years ago, they couldn't mix rap music. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And Zach says he agrees with Marion and feels the same way. So you are among your people. Um, I'm glad you <laughs> yeah. don't fit in. Um, it makes me feel better. There <laughs> oh, we go. And then, <laughs> yep, pod people. Pod people. And that's Take it 73. for us. Yeah. So uh, I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com or at Carrie Eric on Instagram. And I'm Brian Entsminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com or on most of the social places at Top Tier Audio. And to my other side is. I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. And if you want to know more about Marion or work with her, you do coaching for uh, podcast editors. You can go to madmotion.com. And if you're, are you in our Facebook group? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you can just tag her at Marion Abrams or Marion Dane Abrams. Yeah. Mar- it, yeah. 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 And uh, I'm sure she'll be happy to answer your questions. So. I would love to. All right. And for those that catch the live streams, just a little yeah. production note. Our time is going back to uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, starting the next episode because of scheduling conflicts with the Yetis. Not going to point <laughs> anybody out. <laughs> but it's Brian. So if you do like to watch us live, just be aware of that. And if you want to be a guest on the show, how would one do that, Brian? Oh, that's super easy. You would go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. That's all one word, podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. little form there for you to fill out to let us know if there's something you'd like to talk about or something you're looking for some help with or something like that. That will go first to Daniel's spam folder. And every couple of weeks, he'll check that and <laughs> find that in there. And he'll pull it back out and we'll get reach out to you and see if we can set something up. All right. I guess that's it. Peace out, yo. Bye.